The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans. Ed Valentine and Emily Iannacone here on Big Blue View as we discuss another New York Giants debacle, Sunday's 34-10 to loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. This is sort of becoming our uh, our Monday morning therapy session. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys, uh, you know, find it therapeutic. I know that I know that Emily and I do. So good. Uh, good morning, Em. How are you? I am doing OK, Ed. How are you? I I am just fine. I am. Uh, I always promise myself that I will stay out of the comments at Big Blue View. That mm. I but but I always find myself in there at least trying to see what you know what, what folks are saying. And I and and I always realize every time I go in there, it's like why <laughs> why am I here? Why do I want to read this stuff? You mm-hmm. know be, because they're. I'm sorry. There is there is nothing you can say. There is nothing you can write. There is no analysis you can give or opinion you can give at this point that just isn't going to anger somebody at this point when the Giants are four and eleven. No, no, and you almost can't blame people a little bit too. It's it's frustrating. I mean, this has reached historically bad lows and you know the second half yesterday was just a wash I was almost frustrated that I couldn't put on the Patriots game or the Bengals game or any of the other good games that were happening I just but I had to keep watching and I will admit I will admit I will admit to flipping channels during the Mm -hmm. commercials to to find something that definitely that that looked like that looked like good relevant football is 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 it that much to ask (laughs) <laughs> to just be relevant, even if you don't right. make it, just be relevant. Right. I it, I I think I put on red zone when um Joe Burrow threw another insane pass to Jamar Chase, and I was like, look at this. Like, look at the excitement on the fans' yeah. faces in Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, that that's what kills me, is it's mm-hmm. it's been it's been five years now since the Giants have even been relevant since they've played right a football game of of any real 
importance. I mean, forget last year when they were six and ten and they could have, you know, backed into the playoffs in some sort of ridiculous fashion and been the first right. six win team to ever make the playoffs because that's just that's just ridiculous nothing and that's to nothing to hang your hat on. Nothing, nothing to be proud of. But it's like, yeah. when is the last time the New York Giants played? a football game in which they were relevant. I think right. it's when I, I I think it was boat trip week. Boat trip week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, boat trip week. The infamous week that truly yeah. isn't there are stats about that what our what our record has been like since that boat trip, right? Yeah, yeah, but I I don't even think I want to look it up. Emma, no, that's right I don't know them off the top of my head. And I'm like, no, I don't know them off the top of my head, but but it's it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's five straight double digit loss seasons. And I realized this morning that if they lose out, if they lose two more games, this is the second 13 loss season in franchise history. Wow. And the last one. Got Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese fired before the season ended. Before it even ended. Yep. And that's crazy, too, because it is a longer season, obviously, this year. But that it's could happen next game, week. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, just one, you, yeah, it's just one game. And that could happen next week, which is still the same amount of games. Well, so. it would be it would be four and 12 if they lose next week. So you'd have to lose both games right. to get to 13. But still, it's right. it's just wow. it, it's. It's hard to fathom how this franchise fell so far. I mean, teams, even even bad teams, accidentally have, you know, mediocre to good seasons once in a while. Even during mm. the wilderness years, when the giant from mm. 64 to 80, I looked it up the other day, and I think even during that. 17 year stretch. I think the Giants had five years of 500 or better football wow. during which they probably would have made a wild card berth, you know, once or twice. Right. If that had existed at that time. Right. But right. it's That's just true. So, as bad as those years were, this is a shorter stretch, but it's it's hard to fathom being this bad for this long. Right, right. It's different because it's not as lo of long amount of time, but it's it's a shorter period. But the quality is perhaps worse in that mm -hmm. shorter period. So it's kind of like a pick your poison situation. Would you rather be somewhat mediocre for longer or just really bad for hopefully shorter? That's the only thing is that right now we don't even know how long this is going to last and when we're going to start to see the light again. Yeah, before we even get to uh, to finding the light at the end of the tunnel, let's 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 spend a couple of minutes talking about yesterday. Mm -hmm. And and I do have to say, credit to Jake Fromm for standing up in front of the media last night and basically and and, and taking ownership of how bad it was and how bad he was and. Mm -hmm. And not ducking it in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I felt terrible 
This is a young kid who was so excited to get his first NFL start, his first opportunity, yeah. had his family at the game, all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and he basically came out of the game and said, I embarrassed my family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, I know. which which he kind of did. But, you know, but but the Giants, they, they didn't help him. I mean, no. I, I I I felt bad. I mean, between Fromm and, and Mike Glennon. We've said it over and over, but I don't even know who the quarterback for the Giants is going to be next year. You know, Joe Judge says it's going to be Daniel Jones if Judge is back. I mean, it might be Russell Wilson. It might be Jimmy Garoppolo. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But but whoever it is, you've got to actually invest something in finding a real NFL backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the past, you know, three, four, five games have really proven that for the Giants and just how invaluable that is and how important it is to have someone who can step up when when players are down. Because, I mean, it didn't it seemed obvious that Glennon, Mike Glennon couldn't start yesterday's game. And then you saw Jake Fromm's performance through th- three quarters. He was eventually taken out of the game and it just became again a kind of another pick your poison situation. Who do you want to who do you want to go with? And I don't necessarily think that's Fromm's fault. This is still very new to him. He's still learning an entire playbook. He's a young kid, and I agree. I think after the game, mm-hmm. he was like, "I embarrassed this organization." He's been a part of this organization for mere weeks. You know, give him yeah. credit for saying that. Like, I completely agree with you. I think he he did have. Um, poise at the podium and and things like that which is which is worth knowing and worth noting but i mean if if you have no one to turn to in that moment you know you're on someone who's a third stringer and then you're going back to the second stringer and neither of which are performing well at all i mean they we weren't even competitive i'm not i the entire offense played poorly of course, mm-hmm. but it starts with the quarterback as always. I know judge was asked about that after the game too, how much that impacts the overall play. And at the end of the day, if you don't have someone who can just try to lead an offense, then you're not really putting your best foot forward from the get go. No, you could, you could see from the opening drive that the giants really had no faith that, that they could run a competent offense and, and, it's not necessarily fair to sit here and say Jake Fromm is a terrible quarterback. He was Mm -hmm. put in a bad situation where he's been with a team for less than a month against a good defense, you know, with, with a broken offense around him. And I didn't want to believe that it could get worse than watching, you know, Mike Glennon play quarterback for three weeks, but, but it got worse. And, you know, the thing that killed me last night, the Eagles in the first half, M, the Eagles were there to be taken. Yes. The Eagles, I I wrote that, you know, Philadelphia is a very hostile place. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and, And yet the Eagles, from fumbling the opening kickoff to fumbling a ball, on their first series, neither of which the Giants could recover, to a half a dozen penalties, to a brutal dropped interception and a bunch of other dropped passes. They tried 
really, really hard to give the Giants a chance yesterday. Right. And the Giants couldn't do anything about it. No. No, from from the very beginning, it looked like we had were going to force some early turnovers from re- opening kickoff from first special teams play of the game. It felt like we could have come away with a turnover, and that was a common theme. I mean, not so much in the second half. The second half isn't really worth even addressing very much. But you're a hundred percent right. It, there were so many easy mistakes that we just didn't take advantage of, and, and we had lots of strong field position, even even without capitalizing on potential turnovers. We continue to have strong field position throughout the first half, especially the first quarter. And again, I mean, everyone knows the final score. We ultimately came away with a field goal in, in the first half. We just, we didn't take advantage of any opportunity. I know Je- that's something Judge said again after the game. And that was, that was something we just, we didn't show up at all for. No, and like you said, the second half was just not worth even talking about. Although the the only thing in the second half that I even remotely want to mention is the fact that it maybe maybe it's just me, but I took the 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 touchdown pass to Lane Johnson to the offensive mm-hmm. tackle when the score was already 20 to three and the game was already over. I don't know. I took that as a slap in the face to the giants. I took that as kind of rubbing their face in the, in the, in the dirt or whatever. And I don't know, that bothered me. I know they're having fun and they want to get their offensive lineman a touchdown and and all that. But, but for me, that was kind of rubbing the giants faces in it a little bit. Yeah, and you know, and then he ran into the stands and he jumped up and he is all excited. I think it's I mean he's played for nine seasons. He never has a touchdown. I understand that it's exciting and they're having fun and and I I understand all of that. But you know, at the end of the day, this is an eight and seven Eagles team. They didn't clinch a playoff berth yesterday. They they kept their hopes alive. I understand that that's worth being excited about, but I I agree that, you know, while it's worth celebrating it it was a little over the top considering the circumstances you know if if they punched their ticket to the playoffs yesterday i guess sure do do whatever you want that's very impressive with the first year head coach and they kind of came out of nowhere nowhere with a second half push but i i i kind of agree it, it just wasn't it wasn't necessary at all support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
what is necessary for the New York Giants is is somehow, some way, figuring out how to get this franchise pointed in the right direction. And I don't know. Did you did you get a chance to read any of the the explosive reporting last week about the internal workings of, of the Giants organization? Did you did you happen to see any of that? Yes, I saw some of that. Yes, and. You you read that you you read that well. I always take some of that and with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. because because anyone who has lost a job, you know, asked about the organization and the people who fired him is going to have some bitterness, especially if you've been there for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and and yet. You know, so the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. There has to be some dysfunction. There has to be some, you know, obviously questionable work by Dave Gettleman. There has Mm -hmm. to be probably more involvement, use the word interference if you want, from the Mara family than maybe I was aware of previously in terms of, of decisions and and day-to-day personnel and 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 I just don't know I don't know how you fix it at this point I don't know if I'd even want to be in the, the new GM at this point I know they're definitely not painting a strong picture I think that the things that the Giants have built themselves on as an organization for many years are getting lost and have gotten lost over the course of the past five seasons that it's it's getting harder and harder to see what, you know, the Giants as an organization and the Mara family really just kind of hung their hats on day in and day out, no matter what. And I think we're just, I think we're just losing sight of that. I think the fact that yesterday the Giants, you know, started, they've started three quarterbacks in the season for the first time since 1992. I mean, I know this happens to teams. I know this is, this isn't necessarily abnormal in the NFL. I think they're the seventh team this season for it to happen to, but um, I think because it's happening to the Giants this season, it's it's kind of just it's it's kind of just an on-field sort of symbol of just like the greater dysfunction as a whole. That the Giants have just never been this way. There's always been certain things that you could count on them for: stability at quarterback, you know, playing hard-nosed defense, and and there's just certain things that you could just rely on them to be. And we've lost sight of that now. We don't even know who our quarterback is. I mean, that's tough for any organization, but for an organization that's known Eli Manning for so long and, and just had the reliability of players, we are just, we're just so far removed from that at that point that it's hard to remember what it looks like anymore. And yeah, you were at that point where John Mara apparently came out. Well, he didn't necessarily come out, but there was a report which you would have to think was probably leaked from somewhere within the Giants hierarchy that the plan as of now is to keep Joe Judge, keep Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. and probably, you know, hire a new GM. And and I talked to Dan Hatman, who's director of the Scouting Academy, about this last week. And he said you know, if you're going to hire a GM and give him all of those constraints and give him the current front office and the current, you know, involvement of, of ownership and the way that, that things are done, 
how do you expect a new GM to change anything? Mm-hmm. If, if you're basically going to tell him that you get the GM job, but, but you but, can't change anything, <laughs> but you can't change anything because these are the people that are in our front office because they're right. family. And these are, and, and this is the quarterback because I like him. And this is the head coach. <laughs> Cause I want to be right about him. because I hired him and I want to be right mm-hmm. now. Go make it work. Right. How does that work? No, absolutely. No one can, even the best possible GM candidate cannot make that work. And, you know, something that I didn't realize that Ty Dunn's reporting last week in in the Go Long series of articles that he wrote about the Giants, part of, part of his reporting, you know, is talking about the front office and the scouting staff. And, and, and it made me go back and look not only at who is in the scouting department, who's in the front office, but what their qualifications are and how they got there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until I really looked closely at it, just how many Mara family members and or family friends are in the front office and how many of those scouts and personnel people never played football? Oh. Not, that, not that you can't learn the game and learn to study it and learn mm-hmm. you know, what makes a good player and what doesn't, but, but there's something about having the connections and having that knowledge of what it feels like to make those plays and not make those plays and, and, and having been inside the game that I have to think helps. And, mm-hmm. and I just didn't, I, I really didn't realize until I, I went and looked hard at it, just, just how much of that there is in the front office. And, and, and I shake my head because I don't care how good the GM is and how qualified he is. Right. I don't know how you make it work under those circumstances. I just don't. No, no. I mean, there's a, a complete lack of urgency. If you know someone or you know someone who knows someone, and that's the reason you have a role. I mean, at the NFL level, it, there should always be a sense of urgency because if you don't perform well, you could not be there tomorrow. I mean, so many people could take that job and so many people want these jobs. There's only 32 of them. You know, they're, they're obviously very, very rare. And so if, if you take away that sense of urgency as an employer, as someone making high level decisions, you're, you have a sense of security that is almost a little dangerous at the, at the NFL level, at any elite level. If it doesn't, I mean, take that away. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even need to be at the NFL level. Anyone who just feels a little too secure is not necessarily going to go out of their way to, you know, find new solutions or make new things work or get new perspectives or even admit that they're wrong. You know, that's, that needs to be the first thing that happens is people need to step up and say, you know, I made a mistake and I did this wrong. And this is how I think we can fix it. People who really care about the organization are going to want fresh perspective and are going to want change. But of course, that comes with its own instability as well. And so that's no, I think that's very interesting. We know the Giants have always been a family organization and that's part of what makes them great. 
but sometimes people's strengths are also their weaknesses and it seems like it might be a blind spot for them. And we talked about Kevin Abrams last week about Mm -hmm. the possibility that the giants would just promote Kevin Abrams from assistant GM to GM. And I think we have to talk about it a little bit more. I mean, I do understand. I do understand the theory of, well, he's got two years working with Joe judge and we're, we're leaning into Joe. We're keeping Joe. So let's give him a GM that, you know, that he's already got a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And yet it doesn't fix any of the things that we're already talking about here. And it also not, it doesn't necessarily turn Joe into what Bill O'Brien was in Houston, where, where they made a, a mediocre to bad head coach, you know, also the general manager, but, but it does turn him into it, into sort of the de facto general manager. Mm-hmm. It really does because more or less, you know, Kevin Abrams has very little scouting background, mm-hmm. more or less what you're doing in that circumstance is, is putting a rubber stamp in the GM chair. Yeah. So more or less you're handing complete control of the organization to, to Joe. And and I just don't know, you know, that that's another thing that's, I don't know that he deserves that. And, and I don't know that, uh, that it changes enough within the organization. It really doesn't change anything within the organization. And, and and I just don't know that that's a good path to go down. No, no. I think we talked about this last week as far as how wide a net the Giants should cast on their on their GM search search. And while I think, you know, Abrams is an obvious candidate and deserves an interview and should be considered, he is, I feel like, also a really good example of someone who might just be a little too close to home. I understand why we're interviewing, you know, Patriots candidates and why people within that organization, why their names have come up a lot. That makes a lot of sense to me that 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 feels like the right type of inner circle to be working in. But someone who is already so tied in with the organization, I, you know, I struggle to see how his decisions would would be any different from the decisions Gettleman has made. Of course, we don't we don't know that exactly. We can't delineate that. But he just he feels like someone who might just be too close to the situation and not provide enough of the different perspective and and not challenge the Giants enough and and just not like you said, not really help and not change very much. I think the net needs to be cast a little bit wider than that. Even if he's technically the best candidate or the best fit, maybe that's also part of the problem here. Right. I think that I said this as far back as 2015, when I felt like after that season, the Giants, whether he retired, whether they fired him, whatever the circumstance was, they pushed Tom Coughlin out the door. Mm -hmm. They made Tom Coughlin the scapegoat for a couple of bad seasons and decided to move on. The mistake that they made at the time was not letting go of Coughlin because it was time for Tom to go. I think you could see that on the field and you could see that in his treatment of, of Odell Beckham, the the fact that he was mm-hmm. kind of turning a blind eye to Beckham and, and, and all of those kinds of things. The mistake that they made at the time 
was trying to piecemeal a situation together. The thing mm-hmm. to have, for, for my money, the thing to have done at the time was to also remove Jerry Reese, whether you blamed him or not, mm-hmm. and also to remove Eli Manning. Mm. who who was who was nearing the end of his career. I mean the Giants probably waited 4 years too long to move mm. on from Eli Manning. You can easily make that argument, but the the mm-hmm. thing to have done at the time was to start over. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the head coach would have been, I don't know who the GM would have been, I don't know who they would have drafted to play quarterback or what they would have done there, but what I do know is had they done that, I feel like they'd be farther ahead of the game now than mm-hmm. where they are. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like I feel like like they're still trying to say they're still not being completely honest with themselves that their organization itself is broken, that the way that they yeah. do things is broken. And that that to me what they really need desperately is somebody to come in here and honestly evaluate who on the roster belongs here, who on the coaching staff belongs here, who in the front office is helping and who isn't helping mm-hmm. and and really you know take a solid look at this organization from from top to bottom and I feel like that's the one thing they just don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think that you're absolutely right. I think that it's it's definitely scary to just kind of completely start over and and start fresh. But I think um, especially at this point, the Giants are at a point in the season where now, I mean, they have the same record as the Texans and the Jets and the teams that, you know, for the majority of the season, we considered the worst in the NFL. I feel like you can't even talk about the Jaguars there. There's too much going on there to even really fully (laughs) assess what's going on. They don't count, you know, poor Trevor Lawrence just deserves another try next season. He deserves a fresh start. Can can he, can he go back into the draft? Truly, truly. If he he could go back into the draft, then maybe we could draft Lawrence and start over. We could start over. I think he will. I mean, God, he's got to have a better season than he did this season in ja- in Jacksonville, just off field, not even on the field. Um, there you go. So there you go. But I just I think if we if the Giants are now in the conversation with some of what we've kind of come to believe are the worst teams in the league. If that they if are. I, <laughs> they are. You're right. Yes. Don't know why I'm speaking in uncertainties. They absolutely are. Then I think, you know, when I look at like the Jets or the Texans or some of these teams, I think about just the complete rebuild that needs to go on. And I think that same mindset needs to now really be applied to the Giants, which is even something I sort of resisted doing. And I resisted grouping them in this lower, lower echelon of the NFL. I feel like I even pushed back from that as well. But I think if you're the Giants, you need to really look at yourselves and be like, this is really bad at this point. Like if it's, if, if we're not going to compare to our own history, which is also bad, then let's look around the league and, and see just how badly we are performing and what you would tell the jets to do, what you would tell other teams to do and think about how we can turn it around at this point, because they really, I mean, I, I think they just, they kind of just need to start fresh. Like these other teams in the league that are at the, you know, the lowest, lowest levels. So 
And I, I look at the NFC East and I look at where Washington and Philadelphia were at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And now, and I thought, you know, it was basically Dallas by itself. And then these other three teams trying to get off the, get off the floor basically. And, mm-hmm. and, and you look at Washington and you look at Philly and it looks like both of those teams have gotten up off the floor yeah. Whereas the Giants have just dug themselves a deeper hole. Yes. And, I mean, I, I think Washington revisited the floor a little bit last night, but I think that it that, that is for is definitely true for the most part. I think that there is there are just leadership styles in place in both Philadelphia and Washington that you can see being the foundation of a team. I think Rivera established that very quickly. Nick Sirianni has, you know. If anything, he's established the run game in Philadelphia in just unprecedented ways, and he's just found something that the Eagles can hang their hat on week after week. They These teams have just found things that they can identify themselves with and that in times of weakness or in times when they're not playing well, they can rely on and they can go back to. And it didn't take them long to do that. I mean, Nick Sirianni's still in his first season, Ron Rivera's in his second. And, yeah, I, I agree with you there. They are showing signs of actual progress. They are showing signs of getting somewhere, and we don't we don't see that with the Giants at all. It's almost it's almost a little funny. Like you you have to laugh about it a little bit because we just we're not seeing those those room that room for improvement or growth. Well, there's plenty of room for improvement. There's just yes. none happening. That I you know we we talk about Joe every week and and. It's understandable, absolutely understandable that the Giants want to get off this this merry-go-round of hiring a new head coach every two years. It's and, and we we talk about this all the time, but week after week, I just look for something from Joe, some sign. And now let's let's be realistic. He's playing without his quarterback, and we can argue about how good Daniel Jones is or isn't. But each week when the Giants play miserable football, they haven't scored a meaningful touchdown. I mean, they have scored some touchdowns in garbage time. They have not scored a meaningful touchdown since he got hurt. Yeah. Not a not one single touchdown in a meaningful part of a game since he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And and I keep looking at it and going, maybe he's better than we think. I don't know that for sure, but maybe he's better than we think because maybe he's been lifting this team more than more than we know. And I don't want people to say, oh, you're 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 fawning over Daniel Jones and this and that, because I'm not. Daniel Jones hasn't been good enough. But there's there's a huge difference, you know, between what we saw with Jones playing quarterback, which still wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And, and and what we're seeing now and and my point to go back to is the only reason that the Giants can offer for staying with Joe Judge is that we just don't want to fire another head coach after two years. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. only reason they can offer. Yeah. Because he's not giving them anything. And I know you're working with a bad offensive line. And I know you're working, 
you know, with with quarterbacks who probably don't belong in the NFL. But the fact that you're working with backup quarterbacks who don't belong in the NFL is your own fault. Right. Because you had to choose those players. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're working with a broken offensive line is your own fault because you were part of the decision-making group that decided to go with this offensive line. Mm -hmm. You were part of the decision-making group that decided to draft a cornerback in the third round instead of an offensive lineman that might give you some depth. Mm -hmm. So, so this is your own fault. The -hmm. guy who's calling the plays now is the guy that Joe judge has really actually wanted calling the plays for two years. And yet, the Giants can't put together a coherent game plan. Yeah. They they run the ball for five yards with a third-string quarterback, and then rather than run the ball again and try to get a first down, they decide to throw the ball twice and punt. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you run the ball a couple times, get a first down, lean into the fact that, that and I'm going to say this, Devontae Booker might be your best offensive player, not Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. You know, how about mm-hmm. you lean into the fact that Devonte Booker might be your most productive offensive player and, yeah. and and let him try to run the ball 15, 18 times in a game and, and see what happens. Right. But but they can't put together a coherent offensive game plan. They can't manage situations. And, you know, it, it, it just looks like it looks like they it looks like they have no plan. And yeah. and. And that has to that has to you know, that has to reflect on the head coach. And as much as I like Joe as a person, and and I want him to succeed, the only possible reason you can offer for keeping him is that we just don't want to fire another head coach. And, oh, and, yes. I, and I'm not sure that's good enough. Yes, I think if the Giants weren't coming off of tumultuous seasons in which they have already had a lot of coach movement and a lot of changes. I think maybe, you know, if judge was at the start of this or something, or if this, or if we just had to have consist more consistency over the past five years, then I think judge goes this season. You know, I, it's just funny how much this needs to be taken into the context of everything else. And I almost think the giants history is weirdly benefiting him right now because the giants just don't want more turnover or more turmoil or anything of the sort. So they would rather stick with him. But I think in a different setting, I mean, look at how they got rid of, of Coughlin. It was, it was time for Coughlin to go, but it hadn't reached this level. You know, this is, this is very, very bad. And yet they're choosing to stay with him. And you can only think it's because they just want to be right. And they want some stability among the organization. But I think if this happens at another time with another Giants team, even four years ago or five years in the future, he would be gone. I don't know that we would even be talking about it. And that's probably part of the problem. Absolutely. It's part of the problem. I think that Giants seemingly to me, if, you know, if the reporting that I've read and and the things that I've been told, you know, about the Giants are, are accurate, they just they just don't want to face how broken their organization is, mm-hmm. and and you don't you don't fix it by piecemealing it. I mean, maybe you get lucky, maybe you bring in somebody with connections to Joe. And, and it works. Maybe, maybe Joe is a personnel guru 
and and he can guide Kevin Abrams to the right players. I don't know, but you're but but you're crossing your fingers and and hoping to get lucky. Mm-hmm. At this yes, at this point, if you're the Giants, it's if something goes right, it will be luck. It won't be because you made organizational decisions or choices that changed anything, especially if they stick with someone like Abrams. It will just be luck. And the only problem with luck, luck is good, but it's not sustainable. You don't build winning franchises on luck. I mean, I think the really Mm -hmm. good teams probably have a little bit of that on their side, but it's also because they have a strong foundation on which to build upon. So Mm -hmm. even if that is the case and the Giants get lucky, that's not a long-term solution and the giants are in dire need of a long-term answer at this point yes they are am and and i don't know about you but i am in dire need of this season being over <laughs> two more weeks <laughs> two more weeks two more weeks there you go M. thank you very very much giants fans as always please uh, hit the subscribe button if you like the show here on youtube and also if you like what you hear on uh, big blue radio if you're listening on on our podcast platforms thank you very very much and we'll talk to you soon bye bye